Thank you so much for tuning in to the Lily Podcast for its very first season. We will be taking a short break before season two. In the meantime, while the Lily Podcast is on break, we will be running episode replays. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, so I am here with my brother Quazon, and he is going to be sharing his testimony today. How you feeling? Hey, I'm excited. I'm feeling great. Uh, it's always a privilege and an honor to just have the opportunity to share my testimony. So, Amen. You know, Amen. I'll never uh, have a problem with doing that. Okay. It's my first time on camera and stuff. Yeah. You know, but yeah, let's do it. Okay. How long have you been saved now? Okay. So it's been about not even two years yet. Mm. So uh, we're in 24, so 2022, 2022 of November, okay. uh, I came, I became a part of the community uh, August of 2023. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, okay, so last August made a year, so August would be two years, sorry. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, August, August be will years. be two years. All right, cool. It's still still new, yes, still fresh. Yes, okay. Yes, absolutely. Can you start by giving us a little bit about your background, like how you grew up and, you know, all of that stuff? Yes, yes, absolutely. So, okay, where should I start? Um, okay, so I started out with my mom, single mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we grew up in the hood, North New Jersey or whatever. My mom was really hard working, so, you know, I had to be, she worked like crazy hours. Mm-hmm. You know, she worked from, like, I think she used to get off work at midnight, whatever that shift was where you get off at, like, midnight. So, like, certain things with going to school. I remember my mom, from the main thing I remember is my mom getting me ready to go to school. Yeah. By the time I got home, she was at work. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, looking back, she had to leave me in the care of other people. You know, at one point, there was maybe a boyfriend that she was with at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends. I was babysat by her friends. Uh, my grandmother. And uh, this is where a lot of things happened. You know, things that I could say it was out of my control for the most part. A lot of traumatizing experiences or whatever. You know, I was introduced to sex at a very early age probably I want to say maybe about like six years old Mm. uh one of the people who was babysitting me her daughter would you know teach me you know how to have sex and it just became a thing you know and uh was her daughter older than you yeah her daughter I I was probably about and this was probably going on for a little bit of time so I was maybe anywhere from five to six years old I want to say she was like 12 13 okay and um you know, so there was that, you know, that was one of my babysitters. Another babysitter was my grandmother <clears throat> who passed away when I was about 21 years old. But she was all, she was an addict. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she, when she babysit me, she would bring me. I remember her, t- I, I would take these long walks from home and she would just be like, don't tell your mom that I'm, I'm bringing you over here. Because okay. she would take me to her her boyfriend's house, which was a guy that was like my grandfather from what I knew at that age. Yeah. And uh, that's where I was introduced to a whole nother realm of things like drugs. I, you know, I witnessed adults and the people that was babysitting me 
using drugs and stuff like that. And at that time, it it literally became a nor- normal occurrence to me in a sense to where I didn't really know what the heck was going on. You know, mm-hmm. I'm only six years old. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, that was a thing. And uh, introduced to even fighting. Like, my mom's boyfriend used to, like, make make me fight my friends. And I think they were, like, looking back, I think they were, like, gambling. Like, his his boys, oh I would I would fight... I would have to fight one of my friends. Like I come home from school, I remember my um, my mom's boyfriend lacing my shoe, my boots up, my Tim's up. Like, yeah, get ready, it's time to rock. I'm like, and then he takes me outside, and I'm fighting my neighbor who I who I literally we hang out after school. With. Yeah. And like his mother coming outside, like beat him up, beat him up. And my stepdad, <laughs> I mean not my stepdad, but my mom's boyfriend at the time, like yeah, get him, get him, da da da. So it was just like just a lot of chaos, a lot of crazy things going on. So I remember even with uh, with the same guy uh, being in a high pursuit chase by the police. Wow. And. Um, I remember the, the car crashing and I get crushed. It was two big guys on the side of me and they crushed me and I was like winded. And I remember the cops coming to the car with their guns drunk. Get out. Don't move. Don't move. Oh and they pulled goodness. the gun out the car. Like, There's a gun in the car. There's a kid in the car. And I get hauled off to the precinct and have to get picked up by my mom. Uh, mind you, there's a reason why, you know, I, I choose to tell these details, mm-hmm. you know, because it has a, it has everything to do with it you know, you're down the line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like I said, I'll get to it. So those are some of the things that I was exposed to at Mm -hmm. such a very young age. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, things eventually got better because my mom got married. Mm -hmm. She got married in 1998. How uh, old were you when she got married? I was eight years old. Okay. And then so, automatically, once she got married or even when she got engaged, I started to get introduced to a whole nother life. Mm -hmm. You know, because now... I'm getting I'm getting rides to school. I'm getting picked up from school from a, a actually like a wholesome like a real man. Even mm-hmm. to this day, my stepdad one of the greatest men. You know, I really admire him. I appreciate him, and it was you know the beginning of a new life for yeah. me and my mom. You know what I'm saying? So stepdads uh, are important. Okay? Yes, absolutely. So you know, um, you know, life started to get better. Uh, we moved from Newark after they got married. Mother took her, took us out the hood, and we moved. I had a stepsister, mm-hmm. and uh, we moved to Bloomfield, so more of us from the hood to the suburbs. Yeah, you know, I just remember going to school, and it was just so funny, and it was different because now I got like I got like white kids, <laughs> Indian kids, Chinese kids yes. is in school, and I'm coming straight from the hood, so right. this is like, but it was cool. Like at that age, I was, I was always down to make new friends. Like I go to the laundromat and I got like four random friends, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. You know, I was always going to make friends. So it was great. I had what looked to be a pretty decent childhood. Like I had everything I needed. Yeah. But also, you know, I think back at a very young age, I had a desire to be a thug. You know, I had a desire for the streets, like, this is the things that I was attracted to. Like, I think about, like, when I used to, oh, so I didn't mention my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad and my mom weren't together. Yeah. You know, my dad was in and out of prison when I was, uh, you know, a very young age. Actually, my first memory of my dad, I want to say I was probably, like, four years old, four or five years old, maybe. I went to go see my dad in jail. Mm-hmm. And um, I have an uncle that looks just like my dad. 
And this was, like I said, this was the first memory. I know I saw my dad before this, but yeah. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. So I, obviously, I knew, even at this age, I knew who my dad was, but I don't remember anything up until this point. I came, I went to jail to see my dad, but apparently my dad was on lockup, but my uncle was in the same jail with my dad. So he so, came? So I saw my uncle instead, <laughs> and I was so confused because he looked just like my dad. Yeah. Like, he looked alike. <laughs> And I just remember it being the most confusing, just the most confusing experience of my life. And it was just like, what the heck is going on? You know what I mean? Like, this is my uncle. And he's like, I don't even know if I even saw him before. Like, that's my first memory of him. So I'm just like, you know, there was that. And, uh, you know, after my mom got married, you know, there was, I had this desire to be with my dad's side of the family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it was fun. Like, we used to, you know, a bunch of cousins, like, too many cousins. Like, I don't even... <laughs> listen, I had so many cousins, and it was just, you know, that fun. Like, I remember my mom dropping me off, and just once one per- one of my cousins spotted me, you just hear all the quasar, everybody running to give me a hug mm-hmm. and greet me. So it was like, that was all good. That's where I wanted you to be, or whatever. But, you know, that was back in the hood. So, you know, we was... Um, you know, we got we was outside, we were seeing drug dealers and stuff like that. We used to watch movies like Menace to Society mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So at that age, we used to like replay the movies. So we used to like fight, like, no, nah, I'm old dog. <laughs> like, who's gonna be the most gangster character yes, and stuff like that? Yes. So, you know, I realized like looking back, I was like driven by those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, I was attracted to those kind of things. You know, my dad was a thug, you know, my uncles, everybody was in the streets. So that's like the the, the the dudes that we looked up to was in the streets. And that's the very thing my mother tried to take me away from. Yes. But if you could imagine, I wasn't having it. Mm-hmm. I want to go see my dad. I want to go, you know, so I wasn't with that. And I, like I said, at the time, I didn't know. It caused me to be very bitter, mm-hmm. you know, because there was a time where, you know, I was kept away from certain things. But then it got to a point where I used to, I used to, you know, manipulate my mom into, like, making her let me go. You know what I mean? Because she used to feel bad. I can't keep this kid away from his family. Right. You know, so there was that. You know, uh, so, you know, uh, fast forward again, back to go move into the suburbs. I Everything looked pretty good. Uh, it seemed, I seemed to have a good childhood or whatever the case may be. I had everything I needed, but I wasn't getting the things that I wanted. Like know? what? Um, okay, so it got to a point where, like, even for Christmas, for mm-hmm. example, like, they weren't big on celebrating Christmas and things. I wanted certain gifts, so I just wanted things. I wanted the new PlayStation. Yeah. You know what I mean? My stepdad was kind of cheap. Mm-hmm. He wasn't paying all that money, so I I was, I couldn't get those things. So, you know, I start. that was the kind of, like, the thing over the years I couldn't get. You know, mind you, I'm in the suburbs now, so, like, my friends come in, they got all types of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? That my parents wasn't beat for buying me mm-hmm. or whatever. So, you know, I, that grew, I grew up to be bitter towards, you know, certain type of things as far as that. You know, um, by the time I was in like sixth grade, uh, oh, mind you, I learned how to lie and how to, how to cheat, how to hide. I was very, very... Um, mischievous but I was able to hide it so my parents thought I was a good kid for the most part yeah and you know I don't blame they weren't they trusted me mm-hmm. so when I came home and said I didn't have homework they believed it was like you. yeah they believed me mm-hmm. and also mind you I had a stepsister 
who uh, you know taught me the tricks of the trade as far as like deleting the messages when the when the school calls. Was she older than uh, you? Yeah, she yeah. was about four years older than me. Okay. I remember I was in second grade. She was in sixth grade. So I learned how to like hide when I was in trouble. I learned forging signatures. There's certain things I learned how to do. So it was very bad for me because I didn't have to have any accountability. I was like, I was just freely able to do the things that I did. You know, I was pretty good at hiding them. So I learned how to how to lie and how to do these things at a very early young age. But you know, I even uh, considering all those things, I managed to make it through school um, as far as elementary school. By the time I was in sixth grade, that's when things started to get. You know, we're growing up now. Uh, you know, playing sports and, you know, we used to make, uh, there was a couple guys in school that was actually from the hood too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I got like a bunch of different groups of friends. I got the nerds I'm cool <laughs> with. I have like different groups of friends I'm cool with. And of course I get together with the, with the, with the, with the kids with the that's from the hood yes. with the thugs <laughs> that wanted to be thugs too. So we started like creating our own little gangs and this is in the sixth grade. It bugs mm-hmm. me out now looking back. Yeah, you know, I got a son. My son is in fifth grade. I'm I think, was about to say I'm that. I'm thinking like, yo, he's at that age where I was at that age <laughs> where I was doing this, this, and this. And he, he's not even it's like, thank God, you know, yes, that he's not, he's not even nowhere near there, a long shot, you mm-hmm. know. So, you know, there was those things or whatever. Then you know, you get to middle school. Now you're trying to figure out who you are, where you're going to be, or whatever. I was, I was into sports, but I wasn't that like good enough to make the team. So you know, um, I did like the. I wasn't on the traveling team. I had to play recreational. I wasn't cool with that. I wasn't <laughs> cool with getting cut from the team or whatever. So, you know, I still maintain. I, I didn't. You know, I was stayed away from the drugs. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of friends that was smoking weed and stuff in middle school. I wasn't doing those things. I still was going to the gym. Now I'm working on my basketball game. I'm trying to get good. So mm-hmm. when I go to high school, I'm not getting cut from the team. Right. So lo and behold, uh, I managed to make it through by the skin of my teeth in middle school. Uh, I remember telling my mom another thing. I was always down with doing the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Like I remember my mother being so upset with me because, uh, you know, my grades was barely making it. I think I was like C's, a B here, maybe a D, but I was passing. I'm like, oh, I'm passing. Like, what's the? I'm like, <laughs> what's mom, the big deal? Mom, why I gotta get A's? <laughs> why I gotta get A's and B's if I could just get a D and pass? Man, the look on my mother's face. You know, she was so young, and you know, uh, Patricia, mm-hmm. she, uh, which is my mom. She was furious with me, okay? I can imagine. And, uh, you know, so whatever. I ended up getting through and uh, made it to high school without staying back, literally by the skin of my teeth. Mm -hmm. So uh, middle school, I mean, high school was great because, you know, I ended up making the basketball team. Okay. Now, uh, you know, making the basketball team, playing football, and was excellent in football, um, so now I'm having like a sense of identity now. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I didn't have time to get in trouble because I'm, I'm an athlete now. Right. You know what I mean? I played in, 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 in high school, freshman year. I played basketball, baseball, and football and uh, for, for, for high school, which was, you know, they had a pretty good program. Um, you know, so that kept me. But my, my work ethic as far as school and stuff like that never really changed just barely making it. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I had to go to summer school one year and I chose not to go. And uh, I decided to go to Florida instead of going to summer school, which was another thing my mother was furious about. Like, this boy don't need to be going to Florida. What was in Florida? Just uh, a family vacation. This okay. Family vacation. Like from your dad's side? Uh, no, no. My mom, my um, my stepdad. Oh. Um, okay. I, and I kind of just, I didn't express the severity of, you know, I probably maneuvered my. If they would have known the severity of me not going to summer school, they would have. Then made they, they would have made me go, even though my mother really didn't agree with it. But I'm like, nah, it's cool to uh and I, I I underestimated it completely. I don't know why, because the rules are the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be four credits short next year. You're not going to play football. You're not going to play these things. I don't know how. I guess since I got away with everything all my life, I thought I was going to wiggle my way into still playing football. Yeah. So let's we're going to fast forward through my freshman year, start my sophomore year. I go on about football because I think football is the first season, the first sports season of the year. So I go, I start football practice, I go, and like nothing never happened. And I get that call one day, like, yeah, so you know, they call me in the in the uh not the dugout, but the locker room. And it's like, yeah, so you know, you're a great part of this program. We want you to continue, da da da. But this year you could you could dress up, you could practice with us. Cause you know, you're gonna be a key piece, a key piece to our offense next year. So you could practice with us, but you can't play in games. Man, I don't want to hear that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't play. So now, all that identity and all that I fought so hard for and uh, everything I maintained, it was gone. It was over just like that. Like, it was mm-hmm. over. So I remember my first day. The enemy works, you know, and yes, he works, Okay. Very strategic mm-hmm. and selective with time. Because, you know, there were certain times where he couldn't come at me with, um, you know, with weed, for example, to right. smoke weed. Because I just wasn't having it. I'm an athlete. That was my Anytime somebody come with some bull, like, nah, I'm an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, literally, my first day after being told I can't play football. Funny thing is, is a cat we grew, I grew up with that ended up coming to Bloomfield High School too, but he was from the same area that my cousins was from in Newark and went to the same school, so he knew all my family. Mm-hmm. So we was like, he used to say we was cousins and stuff. Like, oh, what's up, cousin, whatever, whatever. But I never wanted nothing to do with his nonsense. But the first day that I couldn't play sports, I'm walking to school, I'm all, my head down, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. He walk up to me, like, yo, yo, what's up, cuz? I got, I got this, um, I got some sour, I got some weed. Now you with all the nonsense. You ready to go smoke or whatever? I'm like, what else I'm going to do? You know what I mean? So I'm like, all right. So I ended up started smoking weed. Um, yeah, so I started smoking weed, and then my work ethic really went down the drain then. Um, so that was just the beginning of my biggest problem, which kind of shaped my life in a sense was, you know, shortly after that, I had another friend in school. Mind you, I'm now I'm smoking. I'm coming to school high, and I have another friend. His family owned a bar. He came up to me with like with like a like a handful of, of marijuana, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yo, look, da da da." I don't know. Make a long story short, I end up talking my way into getting this weed, and I was gonna like, I'm gonna give you the money for it later. 
now now I'm now I go back to my my desires of wanting to be a thug and a drug dealer that kind of was suppressed and not something that I was even interested in because I was playing sports mm-hmm. because I was doing things now that interest sparked all over again and now I start selling weed a little I remember it was like a little ball of weed like this big and now I sell that. Now I found my desire for money. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't mention too. I couldn't get like growing up when the kids was getting Air Force Ones and and in the construction boots mm-hmm. and uh, and all of those things. My parents wasn't beat for getting those things. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get. I had like the. Some people got picked on for some <laughs> of the clothes that I was wearing because it wasn't like. You know, the Pepe jeans and yes, all that stuff. I remember but Pepe. I was cool enough to wear that those things weren't really uh noticed. You know, yeah. I managed to be cool enough or get like I might not got the Air Forces, but maybe I got some shell toe Adidas that was on sale or something. Mm-hmm. Like so I know I knew how to like, you know, maneuver a little bit. Yeah. And plus I had a little bit of popularity that didn't allow me to get picked on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now I want we we in high school now, so now I want those things. So now I notice I could sell drugs and make money and get the things that I always wanted that I never could get, mm-hmm. which also wasn't a, a big factor to me. I was cool. I was good. But there was a whole shift in my desires, and that's what I was driven by. So now I spent the rest of high school selling drugs. It went from selling marijuana to cocaine. And I was really just on my own. The desire was to be a kingpin now. I just wanted to be a big-time drug dealer. That's it. Oh, my it. goodness. You did know? your parents know that you were selling drugs? They did not know. <clears throat> they did not know half of the things. In fact, I ended up having to tell my mom that I was selling drugs because I actually, you know what, this, I think I might I I, I, t- I took an ecstasy pill at some point, mm-hmm. and I ended up feeling like I was gonna die dehydrating. But around that time, I was also like selling cocaine. Mm-hmm. So these things, when uh, you're uh, manufacturing or putting that stuff together to sell, it seeps through your pores. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was a combination of that, and I think at that same day or something, I took like an ecstasy pill or something, and I ended up like having to go to the hospital. And I woke up with my mother on the side of my bed crying mm-hmm. because the thing came back, the urine test came back. And they, yeah, so your son has uh, PCP, cocaine, methamphetamine, like a whole list of drugs. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, she's sitting there like, my son. Yes. So. I had Wait, t- how old were you when this At happened? At this time, I probably, I want to say I was uh, about 15, about 16 maybe. Okay. I want to say okay. 16. 15 is a little too too early. Mm-hmm. Definitely by six, because by 16, I was full-blown in the streets. Yeah. You know what I mean? So about that time, that was the beginning. So I had to tell her, and I had to even get my dad to tell her, like, Dad, like, I was bagging up. Like, I wasn't, like, using no, these I mean, drugs. Yeah. Um. So he explained to her, like, yeah, this stuff getting in your pores or whatever. So I escaped because it, it, it uh, completely dismissed the fact that I did take an ecstasy pill. Mm-hmm. I just focused on that and, oh, this stuff gets in your pores. From okay, so it. you never actually told yeah, her. Yeah, I ain't tell her, like, yeah, you know what I mean? So 
So that was that. And um, like I said, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say I blame my parents, but they were very passive. Like mm-hmm. I was able to do these things and, you know, get off with it for the most part. So, um, you know, we go forward a little bit. Now things got a little bit more intense because I, I had free reign and did whatever I wanted to do. So, And I'm connecting with other guys, you know what I'm saying, that want to get money, do the same thing with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of uh, a traumatizing event that happened was uh, I ended up going to jail at like 17 years old. There was I was involved in the shooting, um, which was a robbery. And uh, one of the cats I was with ended up shooting somebody, and you know I ended up getting arrested. Mind you, this is this is just one of the first times I really knew God just had tremendous mercy. Mm-hmm. Because what actually happened was uh, a white female ended up getting shot in this whole thing. So it was like two black kids in Bloomfield mm. runs in these white in this lady's house. And a white lady gets shot. You're done. Like, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> You're done. I was supposed to be done, okay? You know, but like I said, the Lord had mercy. Apparently, the prosecutor was, like, a student of my lawyer. Like, I don't even know. It was just God working, okay? Mm-hmm. For me to, I, I only ended up being in, I ended up being in the youth house for maybe, like, one, one a little over a month. And on house arrest for, like, six months. And, uh, you know, me and uh, we all ended up beating that case. You know, however, I yeah, did. I did. That was the Lord. Yeah, that was the Lord. <laughs> neither one of us, neither one of us went to jail, like, wow. uh, outside of that little bit of time. You know, so now, no, now I go to jail. You know, I'm getting street credit now. <laughs> like, I'm, you can't, I'm thinking I'm, like, invincible now or whatever. Right. So even though I wasn't, because I was in there, I thought I was done. So I was, like, dealing with the fact that I had to get, like, I remember talking to my dad. Because, you know, mind you, me and my dad, now, you know, he I told you he went to prison or whatever. But we had a relationship. And I'm mm-hmm. coming to him with stuff that I'm doing. He was from the streets. And he thought about, like, it got to a point where he saw me doing what I was doing. And he, like, if he had a different uh, mentality. Like, you know, if he's going to be doing this, I might as well show him the way kind of thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like. I don't want him to be out here dealing with people he don't know. So we had that type of relationship. Yeah. So I remember talking to him while I was in jail. He was like, yo, I'm looking for my dad to tell me how the heck I'm going to get out of jail. He mm-hmm. like, Quay, you effed know. up. You effed up. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like what? That's you got to tell me something else. I'm like, that's all you got for me? He's like, yeah, so anybody talk to you any type of way, you got to do it. Like, now he's breaking it down to me how to jail. And I'm mm-hmm. like, absorbing this, like. Man, this can't be life. So, you know, the Lord had mercy on me. I ended up not going to jail for a very, very long time. And uh, so I, I kind of, like, readjusted. Like, I ain't want to play with the guns and stuff no more. Like, yeah. you know, I ain't trying. <laughs> I ain't <laughs> trying. too serious. Yeah, yeah. Not, but what I, I'm like, you know, what I am going to do is I'm going to get this money. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? So I continued in that way. Uh and that was what I did throughout high school. Mind you, I ended up getting expelled from high school because of that incident mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, 
lo and behold, like I said, I was selling drugs and destroying lives. You know, there's kids that I went to school with that I know that I, I gave them their first drug when they were in ninth, 10th grade, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I never, and I thought, I don't know, I guess I thought I was better than people because I, I, I wasn't using the drugs at that time, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but yet I was destroying lives and lo and behold, it got to a point where now, you know, a little fast forward a little bit, you know, I still maintain relationships with cats from the football team, baseball team, and, uh, you know, friends that I went to school with. And it got to that point where I want to fast forward to it, like being like 18, that incident that happened when I, you know, got arrested and charged with attempted murder and this, that, and the other, all of that stuff. That was when I was 17. That's even more. Cause when you commit a crime like that, you go get tried as an adult. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Thanks be to God that I, you know, I, di I didn't end up going to jail for a long period of time. So anyway, maneuvered through that situation, continued to make money. And, uh, you know, I was like the go-to guy for all the drugs because I was from Newark, you know what I mean, in this suburban area. So it got to a point, by the time I was like 18, 19, now we going to college parties and stuff, drinking heavy. Actually, from from probably starting around about 17, 18, I had been to every, by the time I was 21, I I was done partying and going to bars. I was right. going out to bars 17 years old, like buying out VIP and doing all of this crazy stuff with my boy. <laughs> I had did it all already. But then, now cocaine came into the picture. Now I'm start doing cocaine as a, as a early teen, like 18, 19 years old. That was that, didn't think nothing of it. Uh, you know, that progressed. Um, my dad ended up passing away when I, when he, when I was 18, mm -hmm. you know, me and my dad was like best friends. Like we used to smoke, smoke together, Yeah, you know, and I never forget the night before my dad passed. I used to always like want to spend a night with my cousins and, um, my so, so my, I asked my aunt, like, yeah, can I spend a night? She like, yeah, you spend a night. So we was happy, you know, we smoking our weed. We chilling, like, yeah, we good. good da, da, da. My dad's there. And um, my aunt just came out, came downstairs out of nowhere. I guess, I think the, the smell of the smoke was going up in her hallway. And she was just, like, tired of us smoking or whatever. So she came downstairs, like, Quay, you got to go home. You got to go home tonight. Mm. And I'm like. I don't know why, but it hit me, and I was so hurt that I had to go. Mind you, this happened plenty of times, and it was just like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Catch y'all next week. Mm -hmm. But this time, I was so hurt. Like, I got to go. We all was just crushed. And I even think that was God, too, because, okay, so I went upstairs. I saw my dad. He's like, you got to go home. I'm like, yeah. Mind you, that night, my dad had a headache. Mm -hmm. But I, I never saw my dad in any pain, but I witnessed him in pain at night. And it was just weird because he like, yo, like, I just, man, you know, my head hurt. Like, but you could tell it was, like, bad. Mm -hmm. I ain't know. You know, I'm just like, all right, he, he going to shake me. Okay. So he going to be all right. Mm -hmm. So he like, yo, you got to go home. Like, yeah, she said I got to go. He like, all right, I love you. Shook my hand. I go home. First call that wake me up was my aunt, the one that told me I got to go home. And I'm like, she like, it's your father. I hung up the phone. Cause I already knew, like it's like my I knew, mm -hmm. 
It was it was it was the crazy chanting events because even like the feeling I had when she sent me home, and for her to be the first person to call me in the morning and be like, "It's your father," I just hung up. Oh, matter of fact, she said something. They, I'm like, "What?" She like they working on it. I'm like, "Well, call me when they done." Hung up the phone. I ain't want it. People calling me, calling me. I ain't answer the phone. Had my boys come pick me up. You know, I told them what happened. I get in the car with. Couple of these cats, I'm still like I I know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I mean, we all separated now, but these was like my best friends at the time. And um, when I got in the car with them, or I was walking to get in the car with them, and they, I decided to answer my phone, and it was one of my cousins. He called. He crying. Already knew. I threw my phone, threw my phone. Got in the car with them. I'm like, all right, we out. So that that really just tore me all up. Yeah. You know, it just completely messed me up. And uh, so I just went full-fledged into that lifestyle now, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know if you feel comfortable answering if you don't. No, I feel comfortable that. answering. I have nothing that I'm not, I don't feel comfortable answering. Okay, what ended up happening to your dad? Oh, uh, he had a, oh, so he, remember I said he had a, a headache or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he had a heart attack and an aneurysm. He's only 37 years old. Yeah, that's young. 37 years old. So, um, yeah, that completely, mind you, you know, all the dynamics with, uh, you know, my dad's side of the family already from what I shared about earlier, how we, ended up, even though he had been in prison, you know, a couple times, I think he did like three years again from the age of nine to 12. So we find, after I was 12 years old and on, that's when we finally really started to build the relationship. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and, um, you know, that was just a piece to that side of the family that was lost. When I lost my dad, a lot a lot of just things just changed, you know. And, um, you know, I never realized, you know, I always was a people pleaser. And for the most part, you know, I, I would like to say I love people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At least for what I knew how to love. For right. what I knew of what love was, I knew I, I love people. And, uh, you know, especially after my, my dad passed. But even all before, the people that I loved the most was the ones who hurt me the most. Mm-hmm. You know, and the people who actually loved me unconditionally inside my household, which was like my mother and my stepdad, I already had grown bitter towards them. Because, mind you, a lot of the, everything I just told to you, my mother didn't know anything about from me being molested. For me, because I like I tell you, my grandmother used to tell me, "Don't tell your mother." Yeah, you know what I mean. So I learned I, I learned a lot of my mom when I was five years old. You know what I mean. So I never told her these things. So um, uh, I didn't mention too earlier. Maybe like when I was like six, seven years old, I remember being suicidal. Like, wanting to kill myself until I think one of my mom's friends was like, ah, you want to kill yourself? And she gave me a knife. And I quickly discovered that I don't want to kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) I discovered that this is not something that I want to do. So I I don't think I was ever suicidal after that anymore. But I had a bunch of feelings. I was always sensitive. Not not, Not so much in the sense to where I'm hurt easily, but I felt everything. Yeah. You know? If I'm in the atmosphere with, 
people or just dealing and just regular dealings. I felt everything mm-hmm. stuff that other people was obviously numb to. Like, even as far as other people's feelings, you know what I mean? I felt those things, you know? And um, kind of don't even know. It was a reason why I even mentioned that. So, anyway, uh, I got bitter towards my family. And now, like I was saying, I, I really thought I loved people. I didn't realize until actually thinking about doing this testimony, it dawned on me. It wasn't, it wasn't so much that I love people, but it was my desire to be loved. Mm. I wanted to be loved, you know? Mm. And I was, I, I, I left the place where love was and I was in pursuit of love and my dealings with people. Yeah. Only to find out that people don't feel the same way that I feel. Yeah. Only to find out that, um, people going to use and abuse it. You know, I've been crossed. I've been, I've been robbed by my family members. People I love, I done provided for when I was living in the streets, like doing street things. I made a way for them to make money too, you know. These same people was the same people scheming on me. You know what I'm saying? And the crazy thing is, I wasn't, I knew it. It's not even like I was blind to it, you know. I knew it. And I was like, it was, I don't know, it was a weird acceptance or whatever where I just decided to maneuver in that atmosphere anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, so... um, you know, there was that, like I said, my desire to be loved. So out of nowhere, you know, you know, there was the drugs and things, the weed, the money. Uh, but there was so much pain over the years that just closer to that 17, 18, especially after my father passing away. Now I'm getting I have I have anxiety through the roof. It didn't matter where I was. I always wanted to be somewhere else. Mm. And when I got to where I wanted to be, I wanted to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't matter. You know, uh, I and what it was was just me running from the pain. And it was so much, it was too much pain for me to feel. Yeah. You know, so I did my best in not feeling pain to where I, you know, I got numb. It was weird because I knew I was hurting. I knew I was in pain. It's like, I guess, you know, how you, you'll get cut. And you don't feel it initially. And then you look, you see the blood. You know you cut and you really, you don't feel it, but you see the blood. Now you're freaking out. It was like one of those kind of things where I knew I was cut. Like I knew I was hurting, but I didn't feel it. And I did my best to not feel it. Okay, so now I guess I'll fast forward a little bit more. I had like a little operation going on where I was like selling pills and stuff like that. Now I'll start taking these pills. Oxycodone, which is an opiate. Uh, and that was it. I ain't had to feel no pain from there. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like on my high horse. I was like, everything was good. I was able to hide it from my, my mom, my family for a very for years. This probably started when I was about 21 years old. I started making real big money and being like at a certain point, and I made it look so good. You know, mm-hmm. it never was a problem, you know. And I had a got to a point where seven by the time I was 27, 28 years old, I already had um, an addiction that was through the roof. Like, uh, probably like $300 a day uh, addiction, literally. Wow. And I maintained that for years. Wow. You know, having kids, uh, uh, my, uh, you know, my relationship with my kids' mother, 
very extremely toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say that to say the least. You know, that yeah. was uh, you know, that that because I you know I was just trying to be a man. You know, I was young when I had my son. I was just trying to be this man for this for this girl, whatever the case may be. But I wasn't a man. I was a child. I had a bunch of problems and issues. And, you know, that all surfaced one way or another. Mm-hmm. And then using the drugs to 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 suppress the pain and all that obviously was not a good thing. But that's what I did. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, uh, I didn't even know I was, uh, I didn't realize I was getting addicted to pills. I didn't even know that pills is what, Makes means you're addicted until one day I was like, no, I don't want to take no pills today. Mm. I'm in a bed now. I feel like I'm about to die. I don't know what the heck is going on. I'm like going through withdrawals, and my kid's mom, she's like, you was taking them pills, and it dawned on me like, yo, you're dope sick right now. Dang. Like so now, just like the dope heads on the streets, <laughs> like that's what you are right now. So I'm like, man. Okay, so I guess I got to take some pills because I don't want to feel like this anymore. Right. So it wasn't like, you know, I did put up a fight for maybe two hours or something. <laughs> <laughs> I did, you know, I tried. I was like, it's no other way, you know. So things end up, uh, just to try to fast forward, because I probably could go on forever and ever and ever. <laughs> okay, so things made it, things took a downward spiral. You know, I'm now I'm starting to have run-ins with the law. You know, just for being just rebellious and nonchalant, like tickets, and now I got warrants, so I'm going to jail for whatever. Now I'm losing my license, so now I'm I'm not able to make all that money that I was making. Now I'm not able to maintain that that high that I was uh, already immune to. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to maintain it because now I lost my car. I can't make money. So, you know, fast forward, that moved into heroin. I end up becoming, uh, I end up being a heroin addict, uh, you know, and when that lifestyle came, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be around my family no more, you know, it got to a point where now it's starting to be noticeable, mm-hmm. you know, my mom's starting to notice, I try to go back home and stuff, she noticed, and it just hurt me too much, I was already hurting, it hurt me too much to be around, and that was the name. So I made a choice. Uh, my mother hate when I say like, like she'll hear me tell my testimony, and I'd be like, I'm, I was homeless. She's like, boy, you was never homeless. <laughs> you wasn't homeless. You better, you better stop saying you was homeless or whatever. But I made a choice that I couldn't I, go in the streets. So I ran the streets, and I was homeless by choice. I was like, yeah. all right, ma, okay, I was homeless by choice, okay. So, uh, you know, and. Part of the reason I share these parts of my testimony just so people can understand how bad it really was, mm-hmm. you know, not to glorify that life or, you know, not because I'm proud of it, you know, because obviously in a sense, uh, if you could do things better, you would, you right. know. However, I sometimes get scared of that thought of not being an addict in a sense to where if I never was an addict, I don't know. I mean, you know, God would have done what God was going to do. Right. But there's a sense of if I never got to that place of being 
you know, in and out of jail and getting tired and broken to the point where I knew that I needed God for something. Mm-hmm. You know, I always knew that I, I, so now I guess I'll get into, you know, me coming to Christ. You know, I always knew I needed Christ. I even walked up to the altar call when I was like seven years old. Mm-hmm. So it was just something with my spirit just knew it was right. You right. know, I knew that Christ was the way, you know. So now I I got introduced to the community and uh, maybe around the time I was, I want to say 25 or something like that. And, uh, you know, I said yes to Christ again as an adult. But what I realized is that it was just because I know that's the right thing to do and I know that I needed Christ. Mm -hmm. However, my desires was still money. Yeah. So during the time when you were introduced to the community and you decided to say yes to Christ, Mm -hmm. like that initial, I guess, introduction, Mm -hmm. were you still struggling with drug usage or no? Okay, so yeah, I will kind of get to that. So I say yes to Christ. Uh, I end up going to a Christian program for a little while. And you know what? Let me rewind. So the first time I say yes, because this is before the Christian program I went to for the first time. I say yes to Christ, and I'm like, Lord, my mother used to say, surrender your life to Christ. And eventually it pissed me off because I'm like, (laughs) all right. Like, what the heck does that even mean? Surrender your life. Like, you keep saying that, and I'm trying. I'm here right now. Like, (laughs) let's go get baptized. Like, I'm thinking that was it. Uh Uh-huh. You know, just looking back, I used to get, like, so disturbed when I hear surrender your life to Christ. Like, it was disturbing after a while. So, one of the first times I got baptized, you know, I I was tired. I was tired, but... Um, you know, I was going through withdrawals and stuff like that. And uh, it was two things. Because I got baptized. It's, it's two times. It's one time I got baptized, I remember. Um, I remember getting upset with God. because after, And I kind of get mixed up whether this is the first or the second time. But there's two things that happen with these two baptisms. Okay. So forget the order. So one was I'm, I'm like, all right, I got a hard decision that I'm going to serve Christ and I'm getting baptized. And uh, so I get baptized and I'm like, all right, cool. So there's like a day or two goes on. I still got withdrawals though. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, God, I done gave my life to Christ and you, I'm still, I'm, I'm still sick. Like, <laughs> like I ain't signed up for this. Like you, I want you to heal Take me right this, now. Man. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm like, this is not what I signed up for Christ for. You know, I'm I'm still sick. So there you go. I made a choice again mm-hmm. to, um, what's the name? That that's not what I wanted. I wanted to continue my life. And then the other time I got baptized, I remember, and there was things in between, but the the fact of the matter is I got baptized and it was, it was all about my desires. You know, the things that I desired more than Christ. Because I remember getting baptized. And I go under the water. And before I came out of the water, my last thought was, but you need to get this money. So it was like right, wow. right at that moment, I already had my reservation 
to, and it was clear what my desires was. Like my choice was made before I even came out the water. I had already decided. So now I'm trying to get Christ and get the money. And get the money. <laughs> as horrible as that is, that's really what it was. There was things a part of my life that I wanted to keep. And yeah. that's not, that's not the way, that's not, that's not the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it was things that I wanted to keep. I didn't want to give things. So another, another downward spiral back into the streets, back into being homeless. Back in, now I'm going, now I end up going to jail. You know, I was doing all types of stuff like robbing stores. And uh, so I end up in Rikers Island. Golly. I'm in Rikers, Rikers Island. Yeah, I'm in Rikers Island. And then, uh, so I get out. I didn't go back home. I got sucked back into the streets. End up going to like, end up being homeless in Philadelphia, like running the street, the worst parts of Philadelphia. I don't know, like if you know, like you, when you get a chance, Google like Kensington and Allegheny. How'd you end up in Philly? It was a, it was it was the drugs out there. It was a, it was a certain drug out there that was. Uh, we brought back to New York to sell, except for I ended up going out there and getting stuck, okay, and not okay. making it back, okay. So um, I got arrested out there because it came up that I was a fugitive of justice from New York. So I had to sit in, a, in like, the worst jail in Philly for, like, five months until New York came and got me. But this is where uh, you would think this would be, like, the point where I said it is enough. <laughs> This was in 2020. Actually, I was just reading some things from that I was writing back then. And this is where I was, like, really pleading with the Lord, like, you know, thankful that he had me in that place. Uh, as much as I didn't want to be there, I was also thankful because I believe that he saved me from something, mm-hmm. just from bringing me to jail or whatever. So what the thing was, out in Philly, they give you drugs it's messed up. The system is all messed up because they give you a drug called Suboxone mm-hmm. or something like that, or it was meth or no, it was Suboxone. So now I, I'm not using drugs because I'm in jail, but I'm now I'm using like a prescribed drug, which was the Suboxone. So now I'm like addicted to Suboxone through being locked up. Mm-hmm. So when I came home and I'm not taking a Suboxone, I'm still experiencing withdrawals. It was just too much for me to be like, no, I'm not going to do drugs. Like it was that feeling I couldn't. So, I went, that was like my last downward sparrow. You know, I ended up going back to New York, uh, selling drugs, staying in a hotel. Now, at this point, I was making the most money, the money that I always desired to make. Mm-hmm. I was actually making at this point. But it was something that happened, and I know mm-hmm. it's because of the prayers of the righteous. You know, people constantly praying for me. Because, um, you know, it got to a point where, you know, not only was I just like like I had a it was just so dark and gloomy everything like the people around me like I saw people I was watching people die and um it's just something started to happen within my own heart where now I was scared I didn't want to leave my hotel room to go sell drugs and um all of a sudden I was completely lost the desire for money like I didn't even I didn't like and I hated my life mm-hmm. now I hated my life it was disgusting and I'm like man I, this is, this is it for me, you know, and I literally, 
like just looking back now, it was literally God pulling. It's not not me choosing him, but because he chose me, literally mm. pulling me out and carrying me out. Like I literally had an impression at one point of like me with like my limp body with two angels carrying me out of the fire, mm. and that's literally what was happening because mm. something happened to where, like I said. I lost all, of, and, and I, I noticed too that my life for Christ was based off my desires. You know, once my desires changed, or I even grant Him for changing my desires. Right. You know, but I never, uh, I never would have been able to serve Christ with my desire for being money and mammon. Exactly. You know, because that was what I was driven off of. Mm-hmm. So it was never going to work. Yeah. It you was know? never going to work. I knew that I needed Christ. I wanted, <laughs> I think I wanted him, but my desire for money superseded my desire for Christ. So that, right. so there you go. I'm going to have to explain, you know, yeah. in that matter. So now without me even wanting it, my desire for money just literally disappeared. Mm-hmm. And my... I'm I'm literally getting carried out. I remember leaving the hotel, like I'm going to it was like I was on autopilot. Like it wasn't even like I I'm like I'm leaving. I'm going. Uh, the people I was with, like, oh you leaving? Oh my God. Like, you know, what are we gonna do? Cause I was like that guy to like, you know, keep the hotel. <laughs> like, so I'm like, oh, that was even more like, oh, I gotta go. So I went, I went to detox. Now um, this is gonna be my second time going to a rehab or whatever. So I went to a one Christian program. Cause I just knew I needed Christ, and this was it. And uh, it was it was different than all my other choices. You know, like I said, my desires changed, and I wasn't going back. And that was clear at the time. So I went to a, a Christian program, and I hated it so much. It was so mm-hmm. bad. It's called Teen Challenge. You was just like in the middle of the woods. You wake up six in the morning, go have breakfast, then you go to like class for like eight hours. And you got to go back, eat dinner, then go back in your room, no TV, nothing. And I just, I couldn't do it. I called my mom, like, Mom, and mind, this is the second time I'm leaving this program. Like, I just know I needed Christ. But I'm like, I can't do that. I'll go, <laughs> Mom, I'll go anywhere. Like, I can't do this here. I really can't. So she's like, all right, I'm going to find, because she know me too. Like, once I make up my mind, like, Mom, I'm done. I'm coming home. Like, yeah. this ain't even up for debate. She like, here you go again, just da, 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 da. same conversation we had when I left the first time. And uh, so I left. I uh, She found another place for me, but I'm walking home. The enemy tried me. And that little time for me getting off the train to go home to go to the next program, I'm like, you know what? I'm out. You know, I could probably stay home and do this thing at home. But as soon as I opened the door, my mother like, oh, I got a place for you. You ready? I'm like... <laughs> I'm I like, guess. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a place called Market Street Mission, which is in Morristown. I went and um, I remember they have a sign outside that said, Jesus saves. Mm. And that was the beginning of my surrender. This was in November 22. Yes, yeah, November 2022. And like I said, now this is I'm at that point where desire change and I know I need Christ I was fully willing to surrender because I knew that Christ was the only way I tried every single way and some mm-hmm. to do things on my own I always thought I could do things on my own or do I thought I could do bad better mm-hmm. you know 
I do, like I said, I really thought, you know, I'm going I'm to get a little Jesus. And by default, it don't work like that. It really don't. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going to like fellowship. I'm like, and it was, it just couldn't work. You literally can't do both. Mm-hmm. It's no, and I, th- listen, I tried. Okay. And it didn't work. So I'm like, you know, after trying everything, I know that, you know, Christ is the only way. So I saw that Jesus save sign. I said, Lord, this is it. You know, um, I surrender. Uh, that was a, the first time I made that choice to surrender my life. So that was that. I went in. I went to chapel. And we had like a little Bible lesson. And um, I wish I could reiterate it exactly how it was. But, you know, you know, the scripture, uh, I give you the gift of life. You choose life or death or whatever, whatever. I'm not so good at, like, reiterating scriptures, mm-hmm. okay? But that scripture came up, and it was like, like, I'm going to choose life. Like, this is a gift, and, I, you know, I'm going to choose Christ. And, um, you know, I sat in that place for a minute. And immediately, I was delivered in that very moment from anxiety, from depression, Amen. from addiction. Everything left me in that very moment, Mm -hmm. literally, to where, you know, don't get me wrong, things was very hard, but I just knew Christ was working. It was all because of Christ, because for me to even stay in that place, how hard I was, this was cold turkey too, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, I went cold turkey off the drugs, you know what I mean? So I'm still dealing with withdrawals and the stuff that I was dealing with before Mm -hmm. that caused me to turn away from Christ. Like, you know, I still had to deal with those things, but the Lord kept me. You know, um, it was, it was, I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, speaking in tongues and everything. Literally like my second day in the Christian program. Amen. <laughs> so now it was like, I was, I was just carried not by my own strength, you know, and I was constantly just giving, like learning how to give things to the Lord, uh, Cause now without the drugs, I'm starting to feel things now. Mm-hmm. All of those feelings from me, all of this stuff, all that pain, that pain, that pain. It was just so, uh, so clear and so. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was it was weighing on me. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm in my bed and I knew once again, even with my feelings, everything was like only Christ could deliver me from this. And I just asked the Lord, like, what is this that I'm feeling? And then it'll things will be revealed to me, anger, anger from certain things, bitterness from certain things. Uh, I had to do so much repenting. Lord, I had, to, you know, I'm feeling because of the lives that I've destroyed. Like, Lord, I repent. I'll end up being the most sorry person. <laughs> and Lord, I'm just sorry. Like, I used to cry every night for just being sorry, you yeah. know, like, Lord, I'm sorry, you know. And uh, as these things start getting revealed, as they got revealed to me, they got taken away. As I cried out, mm. as I cried out about these things, they started getting taken away. And it just got to a point where, you know, I ain't never really complete nothing, you know. So this ended up being a big thing for me because it was a program that was like nine months. And it was in, it seemed like the most impossible nine months of my life, you know. And one of the most beautiful things, too, is I told you I got introduced to the community and, uh, I always knew where my home was. Mm-hmm. You know, I always knew where I, when I decided to follow Christ, I knew I had a place to go. Yeah. You know, I knew I had a church home. I knew I had a family. Amen. You know, um, 
I got the experience what love looks like now, you know, and, uh, you know, I made it through that program. A couple people came, uh, Alex came, uh, a couple people came to watch me graduate. My friend from Georgia came, Taylor, she came to see me and it was just like, you know, I felt the love. A couple family members came and that was it. It was literally off to the races from there mm-hmm. as far as with Christ. You know, I decided, you know, I you know, got activated with the community and, you know, that was it. You know, God continuously worked and moved in my life in tremendous ways. Like I said, um, uh, from employment, I never even maintained a job. I never, the job that I'm at right now was the, was the longest job I ever worked. <laughs> And well, amen. You know, <laughs> and it's you know it's all all because of God's grace, you know, His mercy over my life. Uh, everything changed, everything taken away, and uh, even now to this day, like I need to be saved every single day. Yeah, you know, and I'm getting to a point where I'm just realizing, or really to the point where it's like, man, I love Jesus. I love the Lord, you know, I want to be like him. I desire him, you know, uh, being, uh, being even that, even more so recently, I've been more, uh, you know, like God put it on my heart to put order in my life. Cause I was just living kind of like, you know, just closing bins, stone clothes everywhere. It was just like no order really mm-hmm. in like my room, my living space. So it was like the Lord put it on my heart to, you know, it wasn't too long ago. Lord put it on my heart to just have order because he's a God of order. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it was just like certain things. And I'm like, you know, I did that, you know, a sense of obedience now. Because I also got hit with, I thought I was pretty, I thought I was obedient. You know what you I mean? Did? No, no, not like, I'm saying like when I came to Christ. Like, okay. you know, because if, 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 if my teacher tell me to do something, for the most part, I'll do, I mean, yeah, I'll do it. You yeah. know what I mean? So I'm like. Uh, and we had we had fellowship one day, and it was like anybody have anything to confess, and I didn't realize that I was dealing. It, it was at this moment I realized I was dealing with pride because I'm like, no, nah, I'm good, like you know. Then the Holy Spirit just dropped on me, like, mm. no, you're not, you're not good. You treat me like you have time. Uh, you're you, you. I give you clear instructions, and you put me off. Mm. You're disobedient, and it just crushed me. And I'm like, man. I was thankful though because the Lord didn't have to tell me that at that yeah. moment. He could I could have stayed in that place of pride like I'm good. Yeah. You know, so and then uh, I got the opportunity to do a 10-day fast that mm-hmm. I I pastor uh you know brought us in on and uh that was another thing that was major breakthrough because I got to see the condition of my heart. Mm-hmm. I got to see that yo, bro. Almost every choice that you make is based off of pride. Like, mm. I don't feel like doing this, or I don't want to do this, or you know, maybe I should. You know, it was all about so me. I, I, yeah, I. and it was like, you know, these things started to get revealed to me, and it's like, man. So, you know, in these things, it was a lot of breakthrough, and we were just, uh, you know, it started out with just being. Also, heard the Lord say, you know, I thought about that scripture. Uh, those who are faithful with little will be trusted with much or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I correlated it to um, my relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. as far as like prayer and worship. Mm. Now, I had a raggedy play, prayer life. Mm. 
you know what I mean, or in a raggedy time to worship. Like, I might do it, or I might do a whole bunch of different things pertaining to the kingdom, but I wasn't faithful with one of them. Mm -hmm. I might be doing this, that, and the other, but I wasn't consistent or faithful with one thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the Lord put it on my heart to just be faithful with my time with him, you know, my prayer. Uh, and and as you as, as I was being faithful with my time and my prayer and my worship, it's like the Lord will present ways and other ways for me to behold him. You know what I mean? Like, so just give it a, a way that I could uh, uh, partake in his glory and just other ways, you know, whether it's through loving, loving uh, the, the, the disciple or, or the, the person that, is my disciple uh, or loving my teacher or just many different ways. But it all started out with me just being faithful with just strictly my time I spent with the Lord, mm. you know, being intentional about that. And uh, the Lord wakes me up every day from 3 o'clock. In between the hours of 3 and 4 o'clock, mm -hmm. I literally wake up every single day anyway. You, you know it's what I'm awesome. saying? So it was like. It's wonderful. Right. So now. Even sometimes, I like especially in the beginning, I'd be like, "Man, Quiet. Man I don't feel like going." <laughs> I'd be like, "Lord, maybe I'm gonna just sit this one out," and then I might doze off and wake up again. And I'm like, "All right, man, let me just go down here and get." You know what I'm saying? I'm like, "Lord, I'm sorry for even considering to put you off." Yes. Like, you know what I mean? So I had to repent for that, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just that I, you know, more and more, I'm just in a place where I just love the Lord, and as my uh, as the Lord works in my life and you know transfor uh, transforms me and uh, cleanses my heart, it's like it, that's not it because then I notice that I need Him even more. You know what I mean? You think you'll get something and be like, "All right, I'm good for yeah, a little while." You're never gonna. It'd be, be like, good. man, nah, <laughs> I need you even more. You know, so it's just more and more, and uh, I'm just falling like from every day. I'm just falling more and more in love with. More of a desire to want to be like him, like uh, thinking about all the people that now I know what love looks like, you know, all the people that I love, and like, man, you know, I might be the only uh, person that they have in their life to show them what Christ, who Christ is. Like now, it's like, man, like my heart goes out to the people I come into contact with, and I'm like, Lord, I need you even that much more now. I need you so much more now because I have to be an example. Yes. You know, uh, you know, so that's pretty much where I'm at. Just learning, you know, to deny my flesh and just to be like Christ, to be, uh, you know, I desire to be with him. When I'm reading my Bible, I'm like searching for Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, now I'm reading the scriptures like, Jesus, I need you. Like, what, like, what, what are you? Where are you? How can I get some of you? Like yes. any, just any, any little bit of you that I could have right now. I, I, I need it. it. I yes. need that, <laughs> you know? So, you know, there's just, uh, I'm, I'm believing in the Lord for even more breakthrough. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that there's a lot more that the Lord desires for me. And, uh, I believe that even as a community as a whole, he's bringing us all to a place. Mm -hmm. You know, I truly believe that. And, uh, you know, whatever it is that he set out to do, it's going to get done. It you know? is. Yeah. So, and, it, and, it, and it's being done. And we get to live and be in this time to where we witness these things and be a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, man, you know, it, I'm constantly being broken, you know. 
But I guess I'll stop for a second <laughs> and uh, I'll let you ask me a question or, or well, I don't know. I don't know where else to I go was gonna, from here. I was just going to say, like, your testimony is really wonderful and it's really impactful because when you tell your story, it's like the breakthrough happened when you made your decision. Right. And that's the, the that's the part that we usually neglect, right? Like right, we right. we look for the supernatural and for God to change us and for right. God to take things away and mm-hmm. and for that to be the starting point. Right, right. But the starting point is actually your decision when you mm-hmm. make up in your mind and you're steadfast in your decision for yes. Yes. So it's just awesome. But my question, my next question okay. is what advice do you have for someone who has a similar testimony to you concerning, you know, your life before Christ and the things that you've gone through? What advice would you have for someone who is attempting to establish their relationship with Christ? So, all right, just to, just with some clarity, are mm-hmm. you are you are we ta- are we speaking to about a person who's still like dealing with some of the things I'm de- I've dealt with, or or in addiction and stuff like that, or are we just talking to anybody who's just coming into Christ? I mean, maybe the same thing applies to both. But I would say I would say the latter, right? So, like the first thing you said, but also if you have advice for that person who's just coming into Christ, right. you know, give it. Well, okay, so one thing is when you make a, making a decision to follow Christ. It's not. It's not. A, it's, it's obviously Christ inside of you, mm-hmm. uh, calling you. You know. So you need to like just let your yes be yes, and don't think about all the things that you got to give up. Mm-hmm. You know, don't think about like, oh man, I can't do this no more. I cause, you know, because those are the things that'll make you abort mission. You know. Yeah. So just let your yes be yes, and be in pursuit of Christ. Obviously, too. I can't avoid getting with a, a a body of believers and having godly counsel mm-hmm. and having a, 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 a you know a safety a, a safety uh, mechanism or I don't know how I could I, really just a body of believers mm-hmm. you know uh, a, a willingness to learn and be taught find a teacher yeah. uh, be willing to lay your life down. Uh, and confess. So you need to have these tools. There's tools to have, mm-hmm. you know, especially as a beginning believer. My thing is, you're not going to get Christ on your own mm-hmm. by yourself. Even if you say, I mean, God's going to do what God's going to do. I don't knock that. But you know, you're going to say, oh yes, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to serve Christ. It's not going to be by yourself at home just reading your Bible. Right. You know, that's that's a great deal. That's that's one thing I want to specify. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> I'm not going to get into the whole going to just going to church and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, have because I don't want to say <laughs> I don't want to say go to church either. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, but, you know, I don't know if you're going to put that on there. You don't have to. But I don't I don't know where to go in that regard. Mm-hmm. So what we will focus on. You know, just keep, I'll keep it simple in the sense of, you know, find a mature believer that you're willing to lay your life down, uh, uh, remain teachable, and, uh, you know, 
You know, you need that counsel. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you pursue Christ, as you obey what that teacher or counselor or mentor has set before you, you continue and things, your desires will change. Mm-hmm. You know, things will fall off of your life and you'll start to see breakthrough. But um, that's one of my biggest things, having a mentor, having a teacher, yeah. you know, being discipled, willing to learn. Can't everything you know, just throw it all out the window. One thing I did when I came in, because I've been, I grew up in the church. I didn't even mention I grew up going to church. Like I said, I walked up to the altar. So it's a lot of stuff that I could have said I knew already. Yeah. But I took the approach of, man, I don't even, Lord, I was so jacked up anyway. I'm like, well, I don't even know. I felt like a baby just, <laughs> I felt like a newborn baby who had to literally walk, go get a job, go do this, do that. Yeah. Like, How am I supposed to do all of this stuff? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I felt like, so just wiped of everything. So I ain't even like I'm like Lord. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I need you to tell me like what to do. You know. So it was just my willingness to learn and uh, and pursue Christ. Yeah. You know. And and one people don't realize or understand. I think that our the, the main way that we get to experience the love of God is through the people that He put in our lives. Yes. The biggest God experience. And the biggest love experience that I had was from the people of God, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, I've had encounters, you know, you know, that's, that's a given, you know, God, he does things, but you know, me to experience his love unconditionally, literally mainly through the people, yeah. through his people, okay. through his body. And 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 that and that's what keeps me. Yes, <laughs> you know that's what so keeps important. me. Your so, body is so important. You know that's my main piece of advice. It don't matter where you are, what whether you were an addict, whether you're just battling depression, whether you're bad. I think I think the average human being now suffers. For, that's why mental health is just. I mean, plus Listen. we just. <laughs> It's it's just what it is, okay. Yeah, I think mental health is running rampant. Running out here, rampant, okay? and be people that's doing well to do. It don't yeah. matter. Like, ain't nobody safe. Like, yeah, ain't nobody. You could be safe. doing good and rich, but you all jacked up. And is listen, man. Without Christ, it's completely understandable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, without Christ, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. <laughs> yeah. Ain't right. So it's like, man. Once you have that notion that you need Jesus, pursue him. You know, obviously you read your word and stuff like that, but you need to get with a body of believers. You need to get a mentor mm-hmm. who's a mature, a more mature believer. And just like Christ was for the disciples, and he showed them the way. We all need somebody to show us the way. Yeah. We, need, we need to have somebody before us that we follow that's following Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's really... Put the icing on the advice right there. <laughs> you know, that's yes. it. Like, I could say more, but that's all you need to do for right. the most part. Okay. Be willing to be taught and be obedient. You know, don't think about your feelings a lot of times. Because, you know, there was times where I was told something that I didn't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I don't, don't got to do that. But my desire for Christ uh, is what drove me to be obedient. Like I'm, listen, I'm willing to consider. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm willing to consider it. You know, like I'm, I'm after Christ. I'm not after the man. I'm not after the person that's 
telling me what to do. At the end of the day, I'm after Christ. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, you know, I believe God honors that. You know, and it's just uh, I'm going I'm gonna express my obedience by being obedient. You know? Yes. So yes. that's my main advice for anybody. Okay. Who do you know God to be? Okay, so I just was, it's funny you asked me that because I was, one of my prayers was just, okay, Lord, I know you're Savior, but I want you to be Lord over my life, mm. you know. So I'm getting to know him now as Lord over my life, okay. you know, and uh, that's what I want first, you know, because it's easy for me, you know, even all the things we just spoke about, I've realized how easy it is for me to forget things as pertaining to what God has done, mm-hmm. what he's already delivered me from, mm-hmm. to where I get caught right back up into myself, mm-hmm. you know, faced with myself, making a decision solely on myself. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to do that, even at work. Like, I'll be, I'm constantly convicted of even conversations with coworkers and stuff. I have had conversations I shouldn't be having or, yeah. like, entertain things that... It just, it's just not, it don't line up. So I'm like, Lord, like how, how do I go from in my car praising and worshiping you to getting out the car and um, one of my coworkers see a girl walk by or something like, dang, look at that. <laughs> and I'm like, dang, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, Lord, how the heck I just, just that quick, mm-hmm. you know? So these are the things that I'm hit with every day. It's like. And ever since I ever since I tasted the goodness of God, beside me desiring more, I'm constantly getting crushed, mm. constantly getting low blows, and only at the realization of my own condition. Yeah, you know. So, uh, Lord, if you want to know God for anything, if you want to know Christ for anything, get to know Him as Lord and treat Him as Lord over your life. And you'll get to know all the other things that he is, yes. <laughs> you know. That's good. That's good. Well, that was it. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Lily Podcast. For a while, I have been wanting to put out a call to salvation. And the call to salvation begins with the gospel. The gospel says that God became man in Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, the life that we were all supposed to live. And he died the death that we are all deserving of due to our sin. Three days later, he rose again proving that he is the son of God, offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to all those who would repent and believe in him. If you have not answered the call to salvation and you want to answer the call to salvation, please fill out the form below and let's see if I can get you connected with disciples in your local area so that you can get started on your journey with Christ. If you have answered that call to salvation, but you haven't been activated in the Great Commission, you can use that same form below and I can get you connected with disciples in your local area that can show you how to get activated and get involved in the work that God left us here to do. The Great Commission says, Go therefore, preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the things that God has commanded us. As Christians, we have a work here on this earth. So if you haven't been activated, use that form below and let's get you 
Once again, I'm so grateful and I really do appreciate your support. Thank you for tuning in and meet us back here next week because we will be dropping a new episode every Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support.